Hi, listeners. You can now listen to this community podcast production ad-free on Apple Podcasts and access the podcast one week early and get exclusive bonus content. Just hit the subscribe button now on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want access to all of the above, plus video versions of the podcast, head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. I'm Sarah Ferris, true crime podcaster. And I'm Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. And you're listening to Stop the Killing. Hi, Catherine. We're going to be doing an update today on the Oxford school shooting that we've covered quite a few times because it's been quite an interesting one for several reasons, in particular the fact that the parents are being charged in this case. So do you want to just give us a little bit of a recap of where we left it and then where we're at at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So this is Oxford High School outside of Detroit, Michigan. But before that, I wanted to apologize to the entire Oxford community because I learned from one of our loyal and faithful listeners, and I appreciate the assistance, that I mispronounced the first name of one of the victims. And the victims are the most important part of every story and every discussion when it has to do with a shooting. So we had four students killed at Oxford High School. Madison Baldwin, Tate Meyer, Hannah, who I mispronounced, her first name is Hannah, Hannah St. Juliana, and Justin Schilling. So I wanted to make sure that I pronounced Hannah's and respected her first name. And so I just wanted to correct and apologize for that error on my part. So With that said, I wanted to just update everybody on the significant decision that was made by the Michigan Supreme Court. This involves the parents. Now, the son who shot and killed these four students, the son was sentenced to life without parole and has pled guilty to terrorism charges. No one has ever done that before, plus the murder charges, right? But the parents who were intimately involved in the son acquiring the weapon that was used, the the parents were uh, charged also with involuntary manslaughter, which has never uh, happened before in the United States. But the reason the parents are still in jail and have been since uh, right after the shooting is because when they were charged, their attorney said they were going to turn themselves in. And then they didn't turn themselves in. And then it turned into a manhunt. And then uh, law enforcement discovered that they uh, with, were withdrawing money from their bank account, and they were in Detroit, which is just a few minutes away from the Canadian border. Yeah. And they were found, in fact, just a few miles from the Canadian border overnight, hiding wow. out in a closed building. So once law enforcement co- collected them up um, after this manhunt, there's no way they're getting out of jail. So yeah, they've been in jail ever since. 
in the same jail that their son is being held on, but they're not allowed to see each other. What a crazy so, turn of events. It is very, very, it's very, very scary, right? So what mm. happened with the latest case is the involuntary manslaughter charges never happened before against parents who weren't present when the shooting occurred. So the parents' attorneys, rightfully so, have appealed like every decision along the way, whether the folder is blue or green, there's an appeal filed. And then that appeal goes up to the appellate court and then the Supreme Court and then back down. So this week, the Michigan Supreme Court, by inactivity, it ruled that it would not hear the parents' final appeal. So they will not hear their appeal claiming that there really wasn't sufficient evidence to charge them with involuntary manslaughter. What do you mean by inactivity? What does that mean? The court said, we are not persuaded that the question presented should be reviewed by this court. Okay. I think, All right. You know, in the United States, the Supreme Court can hear whatever cases it wants, and it doesn't have to hear any case it doesn't want to hear. So it's gone up each rung, got through each rung, and then at the top, they've just said, see you later, back you go down the bottom again. Right. So what this did is it was the last barrier to having a trial against okay. the parents. Gotcha. So the parents, right. So now do the parents choose to plead out right, right and, mm-hmm. and come up with some plea agreement where they plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter and take a certain amount of time in jail? Which would be or, what? What kind of time would you get for involuntary manslaughter? What's the range? Yeah, I don't have the state's range in my head, right? There is a range. That's the right word to use. My favorite offensive uh, range when I was an Illinois prosecutor is that the maximum sentence you could get for rape was six years. And that was the maximum. No. <laughs> Laws made by men. Um, oh, my historically. Gosh. Yeah. Don't get so, me wound up. Stop it. Oh, I know. I know. It was pretty bad. So, so involuntary manslaughter, of course, is very serious, but it can, there could be so many circumstances, right? So yeah. there, that's why there is a range, so there right? Be a range. What, so there is a range. I don't, I just don't know what it is. And it might yeah. be, say, it might be, you know, it might be four to, you know, 15 years or something like that. Yeah. Might be the so range. it's not chump change is what I'm saying. That's not a small no. charge. No, exactly. Right, right. So, and this shooting occurred in November of 21. We are fast oh. approaching November of 23. These parents have been in jail that whole time. Wow. So, yes, you have a right to speedy trial. The parents waived their right to speedy trial. The state has a responsibility to have a speedy trial. But the suspect can have the trial last as long as they need to. So, in this case, they waived their right to speedy trial because they wanted to appeal different things. They're like, no, no, it's okay. Because when the state brings a charge, and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, in 90 days, 90 to 120 days is the speedy trial. So yeah, it, but that's you can, fast. But you can see why if they had a chance to get it completely dismissed, you're going to take exactly. a run at that one, aren't you? Exactly. And that's exactly what happens. And that's what should happen here, right? Because if this is a, if this is a case that really shouldn't go to trial, that's fine. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 
So this shooting occurred a couple of years ago. The parents are still in custody. So they've already done two years of jail time. Yeah. Right? And so they may choose to plead to some negotiated, some plea guilty for involuntary manslaughter or a lesser charge and take, you know, five years in prison or seven years or six years or four years. You know, a lot of times you hear somebody who might be is in jail for two or three years in, under these circumstances and they'll get like time served in probation. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't think that'll happen here, a time served in probation. But let me just tell you what the Supreme Court said and what the appeal was about, just so people get it. The couple had been arrested for a host of reasons that would be at part of this trial. He was 15 at the time, and they went out on Black Friday, shopping Black Friday here, which is the day after Thanksgiving in the States, and bought him a gun. You know, went with him. He picked out the gun. Uh, they bought him a gun. And then uh, bragged about it on social media. He bragged about it on social media. The mom took him to the range, talked about how they were out with his Christmas present. You cannot legally buy a gun for a 15-year-old in the United States. So that violated the law right there. And then that was on a Friday. On Monday, he came to school. A teacher found him you know, searching for ammunition online, uh, reported it to the school. The kid is called. The parents are called. They don't return the call. The parents later in the day, the mom texts the kid and says, I'm not angry at you. Just make sure you don't get caught next time. The very oh, next day. This story I makes know. me so wound up. It's so full I of know. sliding doors moments, isn't it? It's Yeah, it really Starting is. Starting with the really shitty stocking filler for Christmas. Like that moment right there, if that had stopped, we wouldn't even mm -hmm. be having this. No, absolutely. It, absolutely. And, and the, the very next day, Tuesday is the day of the shooting. Tuesday. And there are all these tell signs. He draws pictures on the back of like a math test. He draws all these pictures about people mm. killing and, and he writes things on it, all kinds of leakage that we've discussed before on our episode on this. But when his parents are called, they come right to the school and the parents don't take the kid home, even though the uh, school recommends that they take the kid home. The parents don't take the kid home. And then you know, what we end up with is a situation where uh, a couple of hours later, the shooting occurs at the school and then the child is arrested at the school and the parents are arrested overnight. And there's so many more details that have to do with the parents and Karen McDonald's prosecutor's office. Um, her contention is this is a question for the jury on whether the parents are responsible and should be convicted of involuntary manslaughter. And so that's where you know, kudos to Karen McDonald for filing the charges in the circumstances, which are pretty incredible. Like yeah. you said, sliding door. I love that phrase. The attorneys for the parents said that a jury will not be able to decide whether it was reasonably foreseeable and that the outcome of their actions was gross negligence. This is what the case will turn on. Did the parents commit gross negligence that their son might commit a shooting like this? And then the defense attorney's view, it was the child's sole conduct that caused this shooting and the deaths, and that it was not at all reasonably foreseeable for the parents, right? They went up to the Supreme Court and said, there's no way that a jury could make that decision. Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it? 
Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. And the Supreme Court's... I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download. American Vigilante, now. you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. We are not persuaded that the question presented should be reviewed by this court. But basically what the court is saying is the jury could come to that decision. This is an appropriate argument to make in front of a jury, which is fascinating. You know, the prosecutors did lay out this, all this evidence that showed that they were criminally negligent. And what we, we learned after the fact in their investigation is that the child had been begging for mental health care and said he was hearing voices. And that, and that they didn't take him home the day of the shooting when they knew that there was a gun that he owned, but the school didn't know that there was a gun, right? So some of the things that he wrote on this message, he's like, the thoughts won't stop. The world is dead. There is blood everywhere. I mean, he was very, this very dramatic things that he wrote down. And they found out after in investigations that 
the mom was texting the dad saying she was very concerned about him and that she was afraid that something might happen. And then after the shooting, the father ran home to see if the gun was there. And when it wasn't, he called the police and said, I think my son was the shooter. The mom, after the shooting, when the mom heard about the shooting, she texted the boy and said, don't do it. All of this is going to go into mental state and the idea of could they have reasonably foreseen or was their action gross negligence? So I think this is the last hurdle. We're going to have a trial, right? When does it get scheduled for a trial? When will we find out the date? Well, the shooter who is now 17 is set to be sentenced uh, in December okay. and he's going to likely to be sentenced to life without parole or a term of years in prison since he's so young. But since there were four deaths, probably it'll be life without parole instead of like, you know, 40 years and or something like that. But the is parents' he, is he trial. Is 17 now? How old was he's he? He's 17 when? now. Now. He's 15. Wow. He's 15 when the shooting occurred. Yeah. So the judge, you know, himself, herself, it will set a trial date. And that's likely to be, uh, this is October, maybe, uh, you know, start in November, but more likely December or January. Because it'll probably, you know, be a, a few weeks. The trial will probably be a few weeks. So especially given the fact that this case is so significant in terms yes. of the legal future. And um, let's talk about that significance of it because it's significant, isn't it? Because this is the first time that the parents are going to be held accountable. And that is going to yes. have... People do not hear that. If that does not echo out to every parent that has right. got an unlocked gun, that has bought a freaking gun for a stocking filler, I think it very much speaks to also there is a difference between gun safety and the capability to make the right decisions with a gun. Teenage brains are not developed. You, you, until it get, you get to be in your 20s, your brain is still reconnecting. But what those brainiacs who study brains know is that as you cross over kind of into puberty, a teenage brain reconstructs. It's just what happens. And your brain is rewiring. But the last thing that develops is your prefrontal cortex, which is right here, which is the part that has to do with emotions and logic and patience and all of those words that have to do with impulsivity and making decision making. So even though your kid can be taught gun safety, as my kids were because I had guns in my house as an FBI agent. That doesn't mean that I trusted their ability to not be impulsive, which is exactly what you see in the little video clip that I saw yesterday of an 11-year-old student mad at a classmate who reached into his mom's car and pulled out a gun in an unlocked container under the seat and shot two classmates. And that just happened here in the wow. States. And that is just a reactive thing that little kids do, right? Yeah. And it's except for that now they have guns. Yeah, I mean, that is completely, you know, reframing that idea of parental neglect. Yeah, that's what this case is going to be all about. I think I'm going to find out when it's scheduled. And I'm going to see if I can get up and spend some time in the courtroom watching the arguments. Thanks for listening. And if you want to know more, Catherine's book, Stop the Killing, is out now. For more details, go to katherineschweit.com. Please consider also supporting our independently made podcast. It's simple to do. Go to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing. And for as little as the price of a latte a month, you can be part of the solution to stop the killing.
Patreon rewards range from official do-gooder status to ad-free episodes, autographed books, and opportunities to connect with us directly for your business, school, church, or even just a book club chat. But just knowing that you are part of a movement that has the power to make your community safer, well, that's got to taste better than a skinny cappuccino any day. So please head to patreon.com forward slash stop the killing now and polish off your do-gooder halo and make sure to include your name so we can give you a shout out. This podcast is a community podcast production. That's con with an N. If you want more content, then head over to Community Podcast at Instagram, where you'll find trailers on more binge-worthy true crime, like the award-winning podcast Conning the Con. And check out our show notes for all the links mentioned. Finally, if you want one takeaway action that you can do right now that can help make our community safer, Please share, rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Everybody needs to know that they hold the keys to see something and say something. Together, we can stop the killing. It's one of those things you hope never happens, but you better train for it. Because it will happen. And it will happen in places you wouldn't expect. Be ready for it. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us.